welcome to the Music Challenge Podcast. Our topic tonight, we're going to do the, uh, a background on the 27 Club, which was, uh, of course, uh, a group of voluminous musicians that all died at the tender age of 27. And we're going to look at the 27 Club by looking at four lifetimes from four members. I hope you guys all enjoy that. Uh, so the 27 Club was a term was coined long ago it's not my term at all but you know it does refer to the this group of uh young deaths and first i want to introduce our panel and uh kevin how you doing man i'm doing all right just um like everyone else is trying to hold on as uh as much as possible but uh hold on yeah yeah it's uh you know hopefully we're closer to the end of this thing than the beginning but um i'm trying to Stay hopeful through the coldest stretch of winter, and just uh, just trying to listen to some uh, some music to uh, True. keep happy as well. Um, and, uh, you got to admit, for January, it's not too bad. I um, yeah, you've been I, getting outside. Yeah, pretty much every day. Um, the snow blowing this past week was uh, was kind of a trip. Um, but it, uh, love I me. did my entire <laughs> cul-de-sac, my whole love, love <laughs> I, me I some like the, snow blowing. <laughs> I um I have a corner house, so I was able to get the sidewalks well. for the neighbors on either side, and I I literally started at like six fifteen, six thirty in the morning. So I was that guy, and I figured if I was going to be that guy, I'd at least get everybody's sidewalks by ten a.m. It was as if I had done nothing. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. So Absolutely. I had to go back out at four and kind of hmm. you know, do it all over again. But, you know, if this is as bad as it gets this year, I think we can hang. Um, and so I watched. We always do. How about know. the only snowfall we'll get this year? But yeah. No, well, we're, we're not out of the woods on February. Saturday. We're not. <laughs> but, but uh, <laughs> recent, recent yeah, history you shows. Are, you, you've lived here like your whole lives, right? Like, you, yeah, you know, it's you don't taunt Mother Nature. Yeah, you yeah. Just, I'm just you saying. Don't with it when the weather <laughs> exactly. is good. Exactly. I know you guys. Okay, you guys are afraid of nature. That's fine. I'm just Groundhog saying. The last coming. three years, like I've used my snowblower once a year. Like oh. It's true. It's true. We have uh, we have had relatively. Light. She'll lull you into submission. But it's okay. The earth needs to freeze and, uh, you know, snow needs to sit on the ground for a while. So this isn't a bad thing by any stretch. Agreed. uh, That is what I'm talking about, Kevin. It makes the bugs better in spring and summer. Exactly. It's all good. This needs to happen. It freezes down deep. And this is my thing. No. Activates your bulbs. Yeah. You could do that in your fridge, too. And then it'll snow. It'll snow in like April or May when we've and then you're like coming up in in your front yard and it'll kill. And then you're like, "Fuck you, snow!" (laughs) (laughs) So Kevin, what are you doing tonight? So um, my my member of the Twenty Seven Club is going to be a little unorthodox. I am doing Pigpen from the Grateful Dead. Ron McKiernan. We like that one. First keyboard player and and probably my favorite. So right on the light. A gem. Yeah. So true. What are what are you up to? Uh, well, what am I up to? I'm always up to lost in space, up up to my noggin. Nice. Uh, I Danger. enjoy that. Well, Robinson. That's true. That's true. Um, I've started a new job, and I'm uh, modeling my persona at work after Doctor Smith on Locked at Lost in Space. <laughs> 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 you ninny, you nincompoop. Indeed. Indeed. 
So, so and that, oh. that and Ted Knight. So, uh, nice. That's what I'm working on myself. Uh, what I'm bringing to the club tonight, the 27 Club, is uh, we're going to talk about some little bit of Janis Joplin. Uh, she died at the uh, unorthodox age of 27. And uh, we're going to take a little bit of a look about where she's been and maybe where she would have gone and maybe what came after her in her wake. So, open discussion. Jed, how are you doing? Very nice. Back to me. I'm doing pretty good. I got outside today with uh, my youngest. We got to play in the snow. I did some snow angels. They're nice. pretty spot on, but I it's not that easy for me to get up from a snow angel anymore. It's not a, hard to get down. Almost right? 41 year old. My birthday is next week. Oh, as God, long as you don't aged. moan when you get up, I think. Aged. I believe that's well, the last um, time you and I were in a. You have to suffer silently. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. That's. Uh, whatever. Yeah. That's what's going on. Uh, <laughs> things are boring, you know, like, but my kids started school this week and that was a strange and interesting new thing. Like at school seems, uh, a lot of a lot of work for like the two hours that they're there, right? To uh, to deal with, but uh, whatever. Yeah, things are going along, but at least they're off screens. Yeah, totally. Huh. No, they're not. They bring their computers right. to school. Exactly. They just sit and stare so, at yeah, laptops in the room, right? I've been spending my time, uh, yeah, trying to stay as active as possible, watching a lot of Letterkenny, and. Uh, listening to these albums this like last week i was pretty immersed in all all four of them it was like they'd all it had, it had been a while for for all of them uh my included which was a gem um tonight my i'm doing Jimi hendrix uh, this is a good who he just gives me chills saying his <laughs> name uh but uh <laughs> hendrix in the west which was a posthumous release it was 1972 Yes, post mortem. It, it was in so after his after after his, after his death in nineteen seventy. Gotcha. So yeah, this was a, a live album compilation of like you know a se- several of like his wonderful live recordings, which uh, they just shine. And uh, I discovered this album well, when I was like seventeen or eighteen. It was like in the used section at Rolling Stone. Nice. Oh, uh, it's like the you're talking bling. about the record store, the record. Rolling Stone. Nice. Yeah, the Rolling Stone. I love record. that place. Yeah, was, I bought so much metal on vinyl. It, the, like so many imports. I was God. I was really they were I was an import hunter there. It was so yeah. great, fantastic. Yeah, there in Val's like just the best. Um, That's kick ass, dude. I love Rolling Stone. I love it. Was my wife grew up by there? It's just a great fucking place. Yeah, institution. Mm-hmm institution absolutely true but yeah so uh we're gonna be talking about a little bit bit of jimmy just like uh janice and Pigpen, just like what they would be doing yeah streaks in the sky rob where who are you who are you running with so my uh my member of the 27 club is is kurt cobain and we'll be talking a little bit about uh in utero and maybe some other things that attach to that. But um, another one that was of my musical wheelhouse in like contemporary and hit me like pretty hard and was like the first, you know, musician that I was in love with that, that was taken at that 
like now iconic age, obviously a group that you don't want to be a part of, but the sheer talent of, you know, these four and all the others that died at that age is just mind blowing. Um, so yeah, the, and the club itself, right? Like, yeah, well, it's yeah. I mean, not a club you want to be people. a member of, but but no, you know but what like, I'm saying? Like, yeah, the people it. were not diving deep on even, right? Like Robert right. Johnson and Jim Morrison, Ab- people absolutely. That, um, Amy Winehouse, um, help me here. There's other people. That there's, are, I'll help you in just a moment. There's yeah. there's more, but you're right. Um, so I don't know. And outside of, of listening to these records, Brian Jones, uh, I was telling these go. guys, there's another one. Um, I was telling these guys have been doing the audio book thing and I'm, I'm book four in eight days. It's freaking awesome. But anyways, <laughs> um, and then the snow, I did the whole like Kevin, I, but I had to wake up super early cause I have to be at work. It's stupid early time 6 30 so i was up at 4 15 and snow blowing my driveway in my in my neighborhood in like oh wow west suburban chicago oh my god <laughs> you were everyone's favorite that day. oh yeah you are the I was worst not, sir i was not shoveling that shit because i have right? a long heart attack snow and it then, up yeah. and down yeah. exactly yeah it's so, heart attack snow but but then, like Kevin said, I get home from work like six o'clock, and it looks like I did nothing. <laughs> so I had to do it a second time. Wow. Snow uh, is like again part of the reason I do not taunt Mother Nature. Were you listening to books or the music while snow blowing? Uh, so I did. Was called blowing. I did both. <laughs> So I listen. How long I was, does it take you to blow your driveway? I've, I have a dude, quarter lot. Like I can do the whole seconds, thing in like, 15 hey. minutes. No, dude, it takes like <laughs> my sidewalks and everything else. And my driveway's huge and it goes, Drew, you know my drive. It goes up yeah, and I then do. down. Like it I have drops to, a story in about 30 feet. <laughs> okay, Seriously. that's all right. Yeah. So Elevation. I, it's got to be clear and it takes a good hour to get it correctly, you know? Yeah, I've got I about get, 45 I, minutes worth myself, so it's an I, album. Yeah. I look, exactly, exactly. And I, I had to do it twice, Chad. So in the morning, yeah, I listened to music because yeah. I needed the energy. And when I got home from work, I listened to the book because I was, I don't know. Zoned in. Trying to be studious. I don't know. but No, I was sucked in. It was a book about drugs. So, of course, I was sucked <laughs> in. <laughs> you're multitasking. That's what you're exactly, doing. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Right on. High functioning stoners. That's, that's <laughs> right. the group you want right. to be in. <laughs> right. The multitaskers. Productive members of society. We just happen to take drugs. <laughs> right on. So let me give a quick shout out to uh, a, a faithful The Music Challenge podcast listener, Phil Brow. Phil oh, Brady. Phil, what's up? Phil. Wow, that was, that came through. And, uh, that's great. Uh, Phil listens all the time, and I want Phil to know that we're thinking about him, about we're we're doing the podcast, and he'll get a little kick. Out Hell of yeah, yeah. What so, up, Phil? We need yeah. to kick it, dude. Yeah, Phil, yeah, man, kick it, bro. So actually, I'll see you tomorrow night, man. Uh, in any case, uh, so oh, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, who? I'm Kevin? sad. I haven't seen them in a long time. Yeah, I miss, I miss my. I miss You're not COVID caring friends. Yeah, um, I miss them. 
What up, Brando? Yeah, I can't say was, that just because uh, he's a listener yeah. too. Jeremy Brando. Oh, Brando. Marlon Brando. That's who we're talking about. Marlon Brando. Thanks for listening. I'm freezing in my garage right now, Brando, but in not too long, we'll be camping down at Clements. Bullies. Woo. All right. Woo. Go ahead, Drew. Kevin. Yes, sir. Tell us who Pigpen was. So Pigpen, he was the original keyboardist for the Grateful Dead. His name was Ron McKiernan, and he was kind of a blues singer. Um, he had this character about him, and I, you know, I didn't even mention the album we're going to do. Um, we want to look through, um, but it's Working Man's Dead, which I think is one of the Grateful Dead's uh, classic albums, probably my favorite of theirs. And Pigpen was, um, I think he was the guy, like, if you think about the Grateful Dead in the sense that Jerry never really wanted to be the leader of anything, right? Um, Pigpen was the guy that Jerry kind of pushed out front, you know, to lead the right. band. And he capably did in a lot yeah, of ways, was his band. right? Yeah. You know, um, and I think... Um, you hear that in a lot of those live tapes. You hear it in those big songs like Turn On Your Love Light and Good Lovin'. And, you know, in Working Man's Dead, he only has one song. Um, but I think it's the best song on the album, and that's Easy Wind. It's Without it's, question. It's Been ballin' a shiny black steel jackhammer Been chippin' up rocks for the great highway I live five years if I take my time Ballin' that jack and drinkin' my wine I've been chippin' them rocks from dawn till doom While my rider hide my bottle in the other room I just, I, I love it. I mean, it's, you know, when you think about Working Man's Dead, it's, there's a reason why it's so loved. There's so many good songs on it. It's the Cowboy Dead. It's the, you know, yeah. kind of return to Americana sound. It's, you know, you've got. Well, the Hunters started going on tour with them. Well, and one of the things that I, one of the things that led me to a greater sense of understanding about this album was, um, was listening to the good old Grateful Dead podcast from Jesse Jarnow. And yeah, I saw that. You know, the the backstories of all of these songs are just uh, crazy. But one of the, you know, this was the only song that was basically written only by Robert Hunter. Garcia really had nothing to do with this song. This was all Hunter. And he gave it to Pigpen. And Pigpen just owned it. You know, I mean you know, some of those live versions of this song that, um, you know, that really go out there. Um, I don't know. Um, Pigpen really gave the dead a different sound. They were a psychedelic blues band really um, in those, right. in those ways. Right. So Full. I don't know this album, it's not a Pigpen album by any stretch of the imagination, but he makes his mark, you know, um, Dire Wolf, New Speedway, Cumberland. Um, you know, when you listen to some of these tracks, like, you know, listen to how one of the cool things that they did about this album was they, they remastered the hell out of it. They have all those uh, studio recordings and stuff. Sure. And so, right. right? Um, so the new version like 
I beg you all to listen to the the 2020 remastered version of okay. Easy Wind, right? And you listen to those like stereo double drums kick in. Sure. It sounds amazing. Uh-huh. And so like I don't know. They did some really cool sonic things to this in the new mixes um, that really brought out the instruments. I don't know. What do you guys think of think of this uh, think in think of this uh, this album? So, as we we discussed this bit before, but like I was not familiar with this album in the order in which it lies, and um, I listened to it and. There's a few songs on here, one being Easy Wind, and it sounds goofy, but I didn't know it, and it freaking no. blew me away. <laughs> and so, like, my exposure or my early exposure to the dead, um, which was, like, after high school or right at the end of high school, after high school, was Europe 72. So, right. um, you know, I and that was my familiarity. Like everybody I knew that had dead had that record, and that's what we listened to a bunch in our early days. And yeah. you know, it's easy to it's easy to miss live recordings sure. in these kinds of bands too, because it's usually right. not their greatest, unless you, unless it was like your first coming. Like I, you know, listened to American Beauty first, so I had like know that record like the back of my hand far right. more than I do As working with dead. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's like every single note I can, you know, just like hear it in my head because it's Absolute. short and it's that. Then um, you're singing. But, yeah, but you can completely song. just like in fish, you can just completely forego the the recordings oh, and go straight to the so, live music. There's so much of it in like my exposure to Europe seventy two. There's a tune called Mister Charlie, and I was telling these guys that's one of my favorite dead tunes ever. And that is also a pig pen tune, is it not? Like exactly. it's just got yeah. like a bluesy country feel that is just so and I, I could never get tired of that song. Plus, when you listen to it, it just sticks in your head. It's freaking amazing. Mr. Charlie told me so. Yep. It's a completely different band with him fronting it, right? Like that's, that's the thing about it that you really get the sense of when listening to the dead with Pigpen fronting them is that they truly were his band and they truly were like a psychedelic electric blues band that, you know, got crazy, but like, um, they had kind of an underpinning of the blues. And what I thought was kind of interesting was listening to it and contrasting it a little bit to like to Jed's album in terms of some of the, like some of the different ways each of those bands approach the blues and like Jimmy's in a lot more like 
straightforward kind of way in terms of the structure that Jim yeah, his structure plays, is very right, straightforward. But with the dead, I mean, in some of these, um, in, this was still two drummer dead. So a lot of that right. stuff is that like serpentine labyrinthian stuff that it takes a while That's to get there. Slinks right? around, yeah. Way yeah. To describe easy wind, right? It's perfect way to describe easy wind because it's like it's kind of churning through that like you know the whole thing but you can't get to one part without going through the part before it and it's you know the whole time you have freaking garcia just screaming over the top of it right it's it's just i the vocals the dynamic between between pig pen and jerry's vocals I, sh- I should say I meant with his guitar. He was screaming over the top. Oh, of his guitar. well, okay, but <laughs> yeah. but I mean, I knew what you meant. <laughs> uh, there, yeah. there, there. I mean, even in like back, not to bring bring this up again, but back to Mr. Charlie. Like they're, I don't know. It just I like the harmonies. I like I like the way his voice sounds. I love it. Well, he and has. I, oh, go ahead. No, no, go for it, Jets. Oh, I was just gonna say. Uh, you know the like you you were talking about how the approach from Jimmy and uh and I think like you know all of these kind of share a, a looseness that like that these guys had kind of this confidence to do whatever they wanted uh, Janice as well like there's so much commonality in these they they owned it you know like when they were going for it mm-hmm. they had it and they could kind of walk all over it and do whatever they wanted and they link, they all link them back, link back to this, you know, kind of some blues bass and this melded with this like wild psychedelic I, I, kind of just meanderingness that they can do, they can go in and out of. And it, I don't know, it's hard to, it's hard to describe, well, but there's. The thing that's so crazy about this to me, and I want to kind of maybe back, back the discussion up a couple of steps. And if you think about the idea that like, none of us are close to the age of 27 anymore. Right. Right. And I think of what a stupid fuck I was at the age of 27. (laughs) And these people were done with their entire life by that age. Like I, you know, pig pen, what you learn about pig pen, if you, you know, like, is that that persona that he was on stage, that wasn't who he was in real life. He was like a shy introverted, you know, really not confident guy. Right. And he had to get pretty messed up to get on stage and do that, you know, and it ended up killing him and he was only 27 years old. And like, this is only the first of four legends that we're going to talk about like this. Think about how unformed they truly were as human beings. But we look at their body of work and we're like, it's so developed and amazing and artistic. It's a freaking mind blowing thing. You're right. Maybe, I'm almost, it, I'm closer to 27 years past 27 than I am the other direction. Exactly, for right? I'm two and, decades past 27. For and I sake. can't see them as like rock gods anymore. I see them right. as tragic and frail human beings. And yeah, I, like, totally too. Yeah. Absolutely. Is that like, like, you Pete know. used to say, all my friends are dead. Uh, right? Right. These are your rock gods. They're my friends. Yeah, no. exactly. Exactly. It's an impactful statement, um, for sure. So, yeah, to get to what you were saying, Kevin, uh, which was, um, 
well, just the frailty of all of yes. them, right? Like, oh, you know, yeah. none of them, none of them were um, heroic by any stretch of the imagination. They were doing what they thought they needed to do to get by every day. And they just was, messed up and took too much drugs. You know, yeah. that's how Pigpen died, right? Yeah. Like he just drank too much. Mm, well, he yeah, drank he drank too much. He eventually yeah. died of cirrhosis, I think. Yeah, I mean, he just at 27, took too much too. at 27. He had been drinking like, since he was nine. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow. drank screw top wine since it was nine, smoking butts off the ground. You know, I mean, Jesus. he just treated his body like an amusement park, or not even. I mean, as Kevin said, he's probably covering a lot of stuff up. It's just, so, yeah, it's right. a lot of medic. That's a lot of self medicating right there. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But that is a, that's a great. That's an excellent point, uh, Kev. Because while I'm talking about them, like having the confidence to walk all over and kind of throw it around and be kind of loose, right. That, it really, it's really like them getting themselves to a place where they can be there. Well, <laughs> At least and, for him right? and Janice, like, I feel like. Super yeah, good. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, Pigpen and Pigpen and Janice had that relationship for a little while, and you know, um, you know, when we, you know, we can kick it over to Janice if you want to, um, because what do you mean they had a relationship? They were, they literally like, you know, Janice had a house down the block at Hay Ashbury, and. They got together, she and Pigpen. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's, they were, they were a there's thing. a picture. There's a picture of them like yeah, they were ten with like him grabbing yeah. her. No, like yeah, grabbing her. They were a thing for a little while and Janice was with a you know, she had a, a, a female lover for a long time too. Um pretty much up until the point she died, I think. But no, uh they were like they're they were California friends, like you know. Yeah. Yeah, uh, California is quite the adjective for you, Jed. California sober, California. Well, I just think of, of like Kate Asbury. Asbury. No, like, you're right. It was uh, like love. Things were things were uh, could be free casual love. and yeah, yeah, free love. But and yeah, as um, as you but, guys say that, like I'm, I just I just googled Janis Joplin and Pigpen, and there's like a bunch of photos of them together. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah they were an item. Dude, they look good together too. Can you can you imagine two members if they'd gotten their shit together? Dude, can you imagine they could be the Tedeschi trucks? Oh my god! So you, uh, Andrew, you picked Janice. Uh, Yeah, I did. What Uh, album did you pick? I picked Pearl because it was uh, it's her last album, and I thought it was kind of. you know, since we're another posthumous about, album, right? Yeah, released posthumously. Uh, pretty much died while she was recording. Yeah, actually did die before it was completely done. And uh, one of the songs is released as an instrumental, even though you can kind of totally imagine her singing over the top of it. But uh, right. <clears throat> but in any case, um, uh, yeah. So, I mean, the last song she ever recorded was uh, Mercedes-Benz, the famous and popular... uh, I'd like to do a song of great social and political import. It goes like this. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? My friends all drive Porsches. I must make amends. Worked hard all my lifetime. No help from my friends. So, oh Lord, won't you buy me 
a Mercedes Benz. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a color TV? Was that really the last song she recorded? That's amazing. I did About not know that. Died. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was because, I mean, you listen to Pearl and it's, it's it's her quote unquote more po- most polished album, but that's sure. really because of the producer. I mean, and the band was slick, man. I mean, right. what was the name of that crew? That, that it was a full tilt boogie band. Full tilt but big boogie band. Where her yeah, back John Till, T I L L. He took the L out of the name. I was reading about it last night. Um, there was right, like they were the she finally got them together to the point where she said it was her band basically. Yeah. Yeah. She'd had a couple, like a couple different. And this like, was in-betweens like after gotcha. uh, big brother. Like, so when I was a very young child, like to the point where I, so I was over at my grandfather's house. So this was like the late seventies, probably I was like, I don't know, five, six years old. So 78, 79 ish. Right? right. I remember, going upstairs to my uncle's bedroom, just whatever, wandering around because I'm a little kid. I don't give a shit. And seeing uh, the Big Brother in the Holding Company album right. um, with the R. Crumb artwork. You guys familiar with R. Crumb? Yeah. The, the uh, what's the name of that thing? Uh, that album? Uh, yeah, I'm blanking. Cheap Thrills. Cheap Thrills. There you go. There we go. Yeah. Um, so R. Crumb is basically a cartoon artist, and I don't know. I got really interested in his. Like, I watched a documentary about him. He's kind of a weirdo, Crumb. but I, uh, yeah, R. Crumb, Robert Crumb is his name, and he's yeah, the guy. The documentary's name, Crumb. Yeah, Crumbs. Yeah, it's um, it's worth a watch. Um, he's kind of a weirdo, but he was part of all that counterculture stuff in in those times and you know he made all these kind of cool looking cartoons about it so i bought one right. of his books i have like a color you know coffee table book of all of his shit it's pretty cool but that it brings me back to that time because it was like the late 70s that was like you know it was on the heels of her death but i want to say like it wouldn't surprise me if they were uh you know separating stems and seeds on that uh that album <laughs> That's awesome, Uncle yeah. Bob. Yeah, <laughs> I, that and you're right, Drew. Like you, when you said most polished, you can still. It, there's some just beautiful rawness to Janice oh, yeah. that 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 she she was kind of groundbreaking in that respect, just to be female and be able to let loose like that. But it was you can tell it's still like heavily improvisational almost like no like not sure exactly how she's gonna do it but she may i don't know she just makes shit her own and her moaning and groaning it's got like massive soul for crazy well, she herself i mean she's brash i mean you know oh, yeah she Absolutely. just opens that mouth and lets loose every single time and right it's beautiful, you know. I mean, so many bands have songs about her, you know, like Bird by the Grateful Dead and or Bird Song, excuse me. Uh, you know, there's there's numerous I mean, she's, you know, decorated in pop lore. Um, so is in you know, the reason one of the reasons is 
this album is so polished sounding is because this is the Doors uh, producer. Um, okay. So, yeah, Larry Rothschild, not Larry Rothschild. That would be funny. Is it Paul Rothschild? <laughs> Larry yeah. Rothschild being a local sports <laughs> figure. Uh, in any case, uh, Paul Rothschild, he was produced for The Doors. And so he gave it this kind of slick th- thing with the full tail boogie band. And, and the thing is, there's plenty of room for... For I mean, like the band shines through, she shines through. They back her up, he backs or she backs them up. I mean, it's, right. it's right. polished, but she's brash, and that's what kind of gives it the the polarity, which makes it so interesting. Um, it's a great listen, and I, my aunt is a huge Janis Joplin fan. Like you know, she saw her live and. You know, they both grew up in Texas, um, and yeah. so there was kind of a kinship there. Um, you know, my Aunt Virginia, God bless her, she loves Janis Joplin, everything about her. And so there was always this kind of revere, almost like distance. It felt like because it was so much into her that I kind of didn't ever really explore her that much. But listening to this album was, um, it was a revelation of how good this band is that she, right. that she put together and finally called her band. I mean, obviously, you know, just knowing all of her hits and having those as part of my consciousness for the last 40 years. Um, her voice has always wowed me like that. But some of the deep cuts on that album, you know, they really hit home um, in ways that I really had no idea that were that good. I mean, move over. Or I don't know, like, that's the thing. It's like, I don't really know much about her other than the, you know, half dozen songs you hear of hers on the radio, but um, man, um, the other part that I want to make sure that um, people know about too, is that movie festival express that exists. You saw this, right? Oh yeah. That apparently contains the best version mm. of her band that ever existed and her no kind of high point That's this band. Her, yeah um exactly That's this they band had a limited idea. amount of yeah they had a limited amount of live shows and they were a bunch of uh, but yeah and a bunch of it is on the uh deluxe version of pearl there you go where a bunch um, of it shows up is uh okay july 4th show and you know this Festival Express thing had uh, the Grateful Dead on it, and you know, it was funny guy. Um, incredible, incredible shit. Um, it's a oh, great shit. little movie. Yeah, it's fun, fun as hell. Watching like, I will. Um, what's that on? The the band is there too, right? Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's so. the band Janis Joplin, 
be our buddy guy and the Grateful Dead. It's insane watching like a 21 year old buddy guy and Janice playing together. Wow. Like there's some of those things that those impromptu jam sessions that are happening in those little cars and shit that they film. That's the whole beauty of the movie. There's not much from the big stages they show. It's all the, you know, the stuff in between stuff. I have to go back to watch that. Ann and I went and saw that in a theater when they, when they, when it came out. How old is this? I don't know. When did it come out? Uh, 10 years ago. 10 years. 10 years ago. What's it called again, Kevin? Festival, Festival Express. Express. Okay. It's literally them on like a train. All these bands on a train just going through Canada playing festival wow. after festival. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It's a hell of a concept. Yeah. It's awesome. And I think when they're adverse weather of some sort, so they just pretty much had to stay on the train. <laughs> Something and like that. Yeah. Right. All of those and also the funny, them at the were, liquor there store. Were drug that restrictions, was the, like, so they had to yeah. drink. Yeah, the liquor oh. store, the liquor scene was like just yeah. The and these are the people who don't normally drink as much as they do other things. Wow, well, exactly. uh, yeah, so uh, hilarious. It was long. funny, fun, 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 so, fun. Yeah, I think I heard that that was the only time that Jerry got drunk. But, <laughs> Wouldn't wow. surprise me. Yeah. In any case, so yeah. But hey. yeah, Pearl's a great album, man. Right on. So. Uh, why don't we stop here for a break in the Music Challenge podcast and uh, we'll pick it up on the other side with uh, Jimi Hendrix and Nirvana's In Utero uh, Jimi Hendrix and Kurt Cobain I should say so um, Rob you got something to say? Oh I was just going to say why don't you throw out our socials and contacts real quick. I tell you what even better I got a recording that's going to give them to you right now Snap. There it is. Right on, man. So, uh, yes, please contact us through our socials. And uh, give us five star ratings. We love you. Five star ratings. We love you. Phil Brow, give us a review, please. Yeah. And uh, you. Paragraph a penny for your thoughts. Yeah. Phil. Yeah. Yeah. You owe us. Write them up, Phil. We love you. Write them up. (laughs) Write them out. And, uh, so at that point, uh, we'll bid you do. Smoke we'll, them if you got them. So we'll check you out in a few minutes. Bye. I guess. For me and my Bobby This is Andrew, one of the hosts from the Music Challenge Podcast, and I want to tell you how you can help us bring you more awesome music commentary episodes. You can subscribe in the listening app of your choice, or you can share this episode with someone you think might dig it. Uh, Please leave a rating and review for us on the listening app of your choice. That's a great way for regular listeners to be involved and let us hear from you. You can get in touch with us at musicchallengepod at gmail.com. Or check us out on Facebook. Just search Music Challenge Pod and like us to follow us. There's a lot of cool stuff on there. We hope you enjoy the Music Challenge Podcast and thanks for listening.
y'all a good night and peace. Peace to you and happiness. Thank you. And we'd like to say that uh, it was really out of sight play for y'all. Here's a song for everybody to grab hold of. Not coming from us to you, but coming from, you know, just a feeling, man. It's a self-assurance. Thing called Voodoo Child Slight Material. Thank you and good night. back on the music challenge podcast thanks for joining us and our topic tonight is the 27 club and we have already discussed Pigpen from the grateful dead and janice joplin and jed why don't you uh take us away on the next one well the next one like we said earlier is Jimi hendrix who i think everyone is probably pretty familiar with yeah yeah um i mean just a legend in any right. Um, Without and, uh, you know, one of my, I was just thinking about it. Like when we were taking a break, I was like, how on earth did Jimmy not get into like the formative four discussion right. um, for at least one of sure. us, you know, cause like, well, we had super influential and it, yeah. It and, uh, but yeah, the right time. And for me, yeah, it just didn't hit my time. Like he came about like probably when I was 13 or 14 right. and, uh, just kind of blew my mind and I did like my first, you know, heavy concrete listening of that and came away so much more in tune with what I wanted to listen to moving forward. And it really opened me up to, you know, just a that, you know, and we say psychedelic a lot, sure. but like just sure. this like free form playing and just raging guitar and uh, improvisation and too. To, and then, and then I came back and listened to a lot of his blues work and you, you were just like, he really makes me wish that he would have stuck around for a Absolutely. while. <laughs> I want to see what he could have done with Billy strings. And, uh, oh, from what I hear, my, you know, you know my, like there's, I mean, you could just see so many things happening. From what I hear, he was waiting for a call or Miles Davis was waiting for a call from him. Oh, was man. waiting for a call from Jimmy. Yeah, that would have happened to just yeah. make it. To, that was the final step in making that happen. I mean, if you can imagine Jimi Hendrix in like a John McLaughlin role or something like that, I mean, where he's the prog guitarist for Miles Davis. Oh, oh, yeah, that just fun so many directions to go in and, there. And and, and, uh, and two, if I'm not mistaken, and and we talked about this a little bit a couple of weeks ago, Drew, but something that I wasn't super familiar with that I've kind of dug into. Um, oh, and right. I talked about this before, but Emerson Lincoln Palmer and, mm-hmm. and, uh, Emerson and, and, and Lake had met when they played with each other, but in separate bands on the same stage, it was the Fillmore, I believe. And, um, one was in King Crimson. The other one was in another progressive band and they met each other then. And I, their end goal was to try and get Jimi Hendrix and Mitch Mitchell 
to to jam and yeah. play and maybe get something going and yeah. apparently Mitch Mitchell <laughs> Mitch Mitchell agreed and then well the rest was history but I mean that's that would be an unbelievable path and of course seems like the logical place that Jimmy was gonna go don't you think Drew like he was gonna he was so improvisational and groundbreaking it was like he needed that outlet yeah you know I mean, it kind of makes me wonder where he would have taken improv. Sure. You know, or like if he starts getting getting exposed to different players like Miles Davis, like, you know, Jeff Beck, like uh, Absolutely. slaying guitarists, slaying bass I mean, players, Stanley Clark. Right. I yeah, mean, if, it's like, what would he have done with that type of backing? Chick Corea. I mean, I, him and Jocko. For oh, example. good God. Like, Mm-hmm. Right? Like, think about him playing jazz behind Joni Mitchell, you know? Right. Oh, um, yeah. right? right? Like, in that band instead of Pat Metheny. I was just thinking that instead like of Pat stuff, Metheny, right? right. <laughs> but, I like, like I mean, Metheny, but. Yeah, I think, you know, when I think about Jimi Hendrix, I, I appreciate you um, dropping this album, Jed, because I'd never heard it before. Um, More have I. My Jimi Hendrix stuff came via as you know like bundled a bunch of with amongst a bunch of other classic rock and sure. i never really like owned a bunch of Jimi hendrix because other people had it and i was kind of into other stuff and i you know the thing that i was thinking about when i was listening to the jimmy live album was that the thing about jimmy and i i'm really trying to put myself in the footsteps of the people who were hearing Jimmy through the filter of the only other guitarists that they ever really heard rip it up were people like Carl Perkins sure. and Chuck Berry, right. yeah, like, you know, and Elvis a little bit like kind of, you know, like stealing stuff. And I, it made me listen to um, the, what the hell's the name of the band? Um, I apologize. It's uh, it's right here. It was, uh, the name was Curtis Knight and the Squires, okay. the band that Jim in before he went solo, yeah. just to kind of hear. And holy crap, the first two songs on that album, like the first song, it was this song called How Would You Feel? And it's like, how would you feel if everywhere you turned you were hated? And it was like, oh, Jesus Christ, this song is like brutal truth. You know, and Jimmy's like the sideman in this band. And then the second song is this called song called Gotta Have a New Dress. And it's Gotta about have a new dress. It's basically like complaining about women wanting a new dress every year, you know, kind of a deal. <laughs> sure. But Jimmy's guitar solo is blistering, and you're like, okay, I can see why he left because he was constrained by like being the sideman in this band where he wasn't even, you know. Now yeah. it's listed as featuring Jimi Hendrix, but it sure as hell wasn't then. So he was just the guy. And then to be able to transcend music on the level that he did um, is just mind blowing to me when you think about what. In like three or four years. Right. <laughs> right. What exactly. Yeah. And what he did, he did all of it in it. three or four years. And what unfortunately we did not get to hear as a result of his untimely passing. Like Andrew said, like you said, Jed, like you said, Rob, like all of these potential sure. musical collaborations that him as an older gentleman 
playing right? with his choice right. of I mean of picks. producing how much oh. better would this world be if he were here and not Eric Clapton, for example? Right? Oh like, slow down, bro. <laughs> <laughs> slow down. <laughs> well, in here and that's a thing like you Jed, you said all in two, three years. But uh, he had he immediately gained the respect of all the greats that coveted yes. Delta Blue. Oh yeah. And, all the guitar heroes right. were supposedly at one show, one night. And they said like London. we were back to the drawing board, basically, right? Yeah. Pete Townsend said I quit. Right. <laughs> because it's like no they had never seen anyone use a guitar besides playing chords and notes. And here's a guy using it like a percussive instrument and doing things with it they had never dreamed of. Not only that, couldn't get away with. And and here the here we are. I mean Yeah. It, well, yeah, that you know, I mean I mean guitar I mean guitar playing would not be the same ever if Jimi Hendrix did not exist. Absolutely I mean, there, right. There's well, absolutely no doubt about that. I mean it you know, other people might have came behind him, whatever, but it would not, it would not. I mean, look how the guy persists yeah. still today. We're talking about him. 50 <laughs> post tens. Everything that these rock and roll guitarists have done since his time has been inspired by what he did. Right. Indisputably, every guitarist wishes they wrote arguably the greatest lick in rock history, which is Voodoo Child. <laughs> I mean, in my opinion, I it's in the team photo. I don't know. I know you're a big Led Zeppelin fan, Rob, and there's a couple of fucking Jimmy Page licks oh, that are yeah. really fucking Absolutely. tasty too. But like, Jimmy is just so so so. It had like I don't know so much, like, so much balls, and it was so. Uh, there was something about Jimmy's tone too, but and I think I mentioned this before. Jimmy was so much overdrive. Right, he was, and he was one of the first or the first. Um, guitars to use a, like an overdrive pedal where, you know what I'm saying? I hate to tell you who was. Who was, uh, wh- who was it? Eric Clapton. Oh, was okay. <laughs> who started out fitting his rig for solos. So, um, I don't know. I, in, in my, some of my early introduction was the common studio stuff from Jimi Hendrix. But like, if, if I'm going to have to pick a studio album from Jimi, it's Axis Bold is Love, number one. Yes. And which is yes. which is an absolute studio gem of Jimi Hendrix. Nineteen eighty-four. And um it yeah, that like radio broadcast that's in like it's mm-hmm. so fucking cool, dude. <laughs> The song where it sounds like aliens right. and spaceship totally. is crazy, and, and he's like doing that on greatly on his guitar. The cool thing about cool thing about Hendrix is there was so much. I mean, he was a he was a studio rat, right? So like his yeah. his his um, 
but what what do you call it? Like his estate still continues to right. release things. They released something a few years ago, which was live at the Fillmore East. Um, second show, 1969, December 31st, New Year's Eve. And it's him and the Band of Gypsies. And it's just absolutely wonderful. Oh, the re-release that, of Band that, of Gypsies. That machine, yeah. that machi- they call it machine gun, I believe, because there's a yes. blistering fucking version of that damn tune on that mm-hmm. record. And it, yeah. it's insane. And then they just released, not too long ago, Live in Maui, man. In I don't know yes, if you guys in the movie. Ooh, seen I, the video the from it, but it's like yeah, actually, high uh, on quality our, video. Yeah, on our Facebook page, we put a big chunk of it on there. We uh, shared a big chunk of it to the audience. Yes, maybe I'll reshare it now on our Facebook page. Check it out, guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's uh, him doing Voodoo Child. So speaking sweet, up, actually. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that you guys love this album because it was a, uh, it's kind of a you know hidden hidden spot. It was you know like seventy two, and I had never I, heard of it. I had never I had really either. seen it. I had before never listened I to it either. I, I was kind of like, really, he's picking this. Like but it's I just didn't, like a weird like best, best of live. It's yeah. fucking sweet, man. But yeah, and like for me, I mean, I, uh, I love Little Wing like. Oh. So much, and I've tried to play it on the guitar forever, and I just can't. <laughs> I don't think I ever. Yeah, imagine that. I don't know. Like you pick it up like once a year, and I'm like, I'm gonna learn this this year. Little and then wing like a week a later, I put it down. I don't think there's. Oh, God, I don't I think there's any shortage but I, of guitarists or people that call themselves guitarists that have that same sentiment. <laughs> and then, and then for me, like the the real gem of this album is the uh, Spanish Castle. Magic oh God, I love that house. Spanish I, like the that, Red House. On that twenty three minutes yes. is like just you can listen to it over it and over felt again. Like the a Red House band at times. Awesome. There was like noise <laughs> jams and yeah. stuff. Well, there was a like, medley, so to speak, for sure. And, and this actually was two different bands that was on this album. I mean, one was the uh, experience with Noel Redding, my favorite bass player of all time, because he pretty much just got pissed on by Jimi Hendrix and uh, and Billy Cox and uh, that the band of gypsies band. Dude, and he's was, awesome behind the, the kicks. Don't have of these tracks. Right. Yeah. He's yeah, you can tell. changes. Right. My it's a great tune. Right. I love that. Ding, ding, do, 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 do. Hopefully you're going to cut that one in and cover up all the memory they have of us trying to see. Actually, we get great reviews about my singing. We've gotten several emails, <laughs> personal and private. Un- yes, uh, uncomfortable. The Ethiopian silence. prince who <laughs> likes your voice so much, he wants to sell you. Uh, I would like you to come. Yes, and visit. And I will visit. buy you below the fold. So okay, I, um, the the thing about 
Jed, the thing about this album that's a little weird uh, that I was kind of like, I just wish they didn't dedicate album space to was kind of some of those half-assed covers that were like just kind of thrown on there. Right. Actually, sloppy. I like Blue Suede Shoes. The, jo- the Johnny Be Good and, and Blue Suede Shoes. Like the Sergeant Peppers, like I thought. And this, yeah, it was the, really, the Peppers. Like, it was more like the Sergeant Peppers. I was like, this doesn't need to be. Which was 50 like, seconds. Yeah. Like, 50, yeah, I don't 50, know. 51 seconds yeah. in, in uh, what, what? Isle of Isle, Isle of, of uh, White or Isle yeah, of White. Isle of White. So you know it was out of out of respect, yeah. I guess. But yeah, yeah. I, I just I, ag- I would like agree. To- I agree with you. I would have read like there are better gems to play, like his songs instead of yeah. um, other people's as much. I thought his um, work of a blue suede shoes was awesome. To tell you, yeah. Sure. I mean, he he can. Of course, he can uh, crush that solo. There's right. no way he wasn't going to, right? Well, it's like, not just uh, the solo. It's the whole fucking funk he put it into. I mean, hardly sounded... It didn't sound like Carl Perkins, that's for sure. No, no. He, uh, he uh, When you think about what those people must have been going through listening to that stuff live for the first time, um, just... Uh, absolutely rewiring their brains. Oh, right? yeah. Without you know, totally. Right? Well, and I, I, I absolutely love in uh, at the in Voodoo Child <laughs> and he's going out sure. and like a few minutes into it, someone starts cheering and he stops playing and is like, stop, stop, <laughs> wait for me. I'm not done yet. And he just like, <laughs> everyone just go silence. <laughs> like he finishes playing the next like last three or four minutes and you're like, yeah. I love that you're like he's got command. You audience, yeah, just full command. command. And like, and I, yeah, I I love hearing banter on this album. It's you know, it's fun hearing him talk to people and give them shit and like, just like be him and own the stage. You know, and that he only had like a year or two of that, and uh, really like a year, like sixty nine to seventy is like when he was like hot shit. Which I'm certain exactly when this album is from. Yeah, and this I, is this is like yeah. sixty nine and seventy. Like I'm certain I would have enjoyed his Ventura Canyon or uh, you know uh, Laurel Canyon period or doing acoustic stuff. Oh yeah, I think that would have been good. Yeah, you know, because he would have had one. Um, like I said, you know, playing in uh, Joni's band for right. a while or oh yeah, you know, yeah. figuring out. Um, Figuring out a way to like lay down some stuff with Miles Davis, like all of those things would have been so damn good. I mean, oh, yeah, all the these door would have been like, a knocking just, for sure. I mean, there would have been no end of suitors. And the thing is, he didn't even have to play with anyone. Who who knows? What if he just went rogue? And who knows what he would have come up with? Same thing with Janis Joplin. I mean, she's just I, on her way, you know. And yeah. And they're all just getting started. Right. 27 is barely a kid, you know? You're a baby. You're a little baby. You don't know what you don't know. That you know what you don't know. You've got no Rob. clue. Yeah. Speaking of 27, you're oh, doing, dude. Keeping oh, yeah. 27 and, and little babies that went too soon. Right. So what do you got cooking? So my uh, my artist and member of this this club is is Kurt Cobain and um like I said at the beginning somebody like a contemporary that was lost at this age and and like kind of hit home pretty tough um 
and the album that I'm discussing is in utero and it was their, their final studio album. Um, and one that, that, that to me, like, it, I, I don't know, obviously bleach is raw and, and garagey or, or, or attic-y. And then, um, nevermind was like the smash, but in utero was, I don't know. I, I guess I more awesome. versatile in my mind. Awesome. Nonetheless. Um, but like super Kurt Cobain tongue in cheek, like his lyrics were, and then Steve Albini, you know, produced in, in, um, the only record, and I don't know if you guys know this, but it's cool. There's a hand drawn, um, picture of a, um, of a treble knob and a bass knob that Steve Albini drew on the inside of his sleeve. And, and, and he has it set to two settings and it's both of them are just like a quarter past halfway up. And if you do that, and I have a, a record player set up to an old analog um, receiver. And if you dial it in there and put it on vinyl, it sounds absolutely perfect. It's the only record I've ever seen that has that, but I had to mention it cause I fucking love that feature about it just because I've never seen it anywhere else, but he's got suggested treble and bass settings on the inside of yeah. the sleeve. Of That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> he considers himself more of an engineer than a producer. Right. Well, so, so, um, in Kurt, Kurt was to me, um, like poetic in, uh, I've said this a million times and I'll, but like Kurt Cobain or Nirvana to me is blues because it's like from, from the heart. And it's like, I don't know, kind of similar to um, the spirit of blues and the fact that it's just like Kurt's pain kind of coming out in music. Um, Tortured soul, if you will. And yeah, Kev. <laughs> Somewhat. That's I a mean, good. That's a good suggestion. But yes, such a tortured. Soul. Right. I mean, it <laughs> just. I don't know. Like sometimes Kurt's music, and Nirvana's music, like makes me hurt. It makes me feel sometimes. Like, like the second tune on this record, "Scentless Apprentice," is oh, like so good. It's so just awesome. I, and his scream in the middle of the tune is just, I mean, it's blood curdling. 
It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I love and that fucking yeah, song. I love, I love the, how that, the, drums. The, the layering on that song is just beautiful. Yeah. Like him screaming over top and then just like the, the layering repetitive Absolutely. chord underneath is just like, and, and, it's so perfect. And Drew, like you said, I, the drums in that tune, it like, it, it, it I mean, people lose sight of how important Dave Grohl was to that whole mix. But, oh, yeah. I mean, good God, he was like a monster back there. And it, I mean, uh, in that any song, good punk band needs a good drummer. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I mean, if there's only three of you up on stage, you better be good. Right. You better hold some <laughs> shit down. <laughs> three chords in the truth, as right. I always, always said. You can't hide behind the truth. The cool thing, but uh, the cool thing, the cool thing about this record too is there's like a bunch of remastered and deluxe editions, and the super yes. super deluxe edition, um, like the ass end of it, is this thing called Live and Loud, and it was something they did for MTV, and I believe it was like uh, maybe eight months before Kurt had committed suicide um but it was filmed in seattle and it's with pat smear in one of my favorite incarnations of them live pat like smear. they're firing on all cylinders um and so then it was it must have been popular enough because they released that as its own live record and something i got from santa claus two Christmases ago on vinyl and it's fucking divine. It's called live and loud. You got to check it out. It's awesome. So yeah, this so, was, go ahead. Sorry. No, this was, uh, this is one of those albums that on some level it makes me feel old because like, I can't listen to some of those screechy tunes as much as I used to be able got to. You. And I love the stuff that's more mellow. Like when we talked about, you know, the unplugged album, sure. like that's like the, the softer edges of his oh, pain yeah. is what I tend to enjoy listening to more. The screaming, like all of that stuff I tried, but like I, that stuff that I could listen to when I was in my twenties <laughs> and going through some of the right. same pain right. maybe, but you know, an old man that I am now, it's like, I don't, um, that's too deep for me at this point in time, too raw. I'm not, Interested in, in tell the some people of those stuff? You are. <laughs> Forty-seven. Okay, on, I just want to make sure everyone has a definition because that, that's one of the prime principles we're, we're yeah around um, is that we're all different ages, right? Right, um, but Jeb I think that funny. you know this when this album came out, you know, I was twenty years old, right? Um, so I think in that way, uh, you know, um, the, like the stuff I love with this band, I fucking love, man. I really do. Um, but some of that stuff is hard to revisit. Like, sure. You know, hmm. like that raw, screechier stuff. Um, right. I don't know. It's and some of it still is on this album. It sounds better, like than the stuff on Bleach. I think. You know, and that's sort of, it's more Right, polished. it's definitely more polished. And you're right, Kev. I, I think this was a, this is a more versatile studio effort by Nirvana. And like, just even like a, Penny Royalty on this, um, the, you know, the unplugged. Which wasn't on the album. The, the unplugged version of, of that is is pretty dope. What do you mean, which wasn't on the album? What are you talking about? Oh, did Penny Royal team make the it album? It was on in the actual Yeah, album? it was on. 
it was on in utero. Um, okay. But it's in in even like oh, to um, Francis Farmer will have her revenge in Seattle. I love the the the, the lyrics in that song are just amazing. Um, I don't know. I dig it. Yeah. No, yeah, he's actually to tell you the truth, my respect for Nirvana grew after I listened to this album, because to tell you the truth, never mind, just really didn't just glanced off the surface for sure. me. I mean, it just didn't work very well. It, uh, whatever. I mean, I, I respect it culturally and all that, sure. but it was never something that I wanted to put on or anything like that. This was something I could relate to, to tell you the truth. I can relate to the greasy sizzle in the, you know, in just the, the burning guitar. Sure. And the, you know, smoldering, you know, like... You know, what was the song you mentioned? Scentless. Scentless uh, Apprentice. Oh, man, that just beat to my soul. Like, I was just like, that's where I'm at, man. Or not where I'm at right now, but just like, that's where I live. Sure. And, and you know, I just, just Into- freaking dug it, man. I mean, I mean, it was so much more genuine than I felt like Nevermind was. And it's a huge part of the producer and the story of the producer, Steve Albini, who they, the the label did not like whatsoever. In, 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 in in Kurt basically said, he's like, I want to make an album that everybody's going to hate. And Steve Albini took these songs that he was going to like give to the world and they were going to hate. And he made, people love them i mean obviously but i don't know i think i think it's fucking brilliant i love this record um it's pretty brilliant because it really captured i think kind of the punk rock sensibilities that maybe the the live nirvana bit that before the studio nirvana really kind of captured on stage in seattle now i'm not totally sure about that because i didn't see them sure or anything like that. It sounds but, like, uh, <laughs> but I mean, I mean, the thing is, this is some of the rawest like music capture that I've heard in a long, long time. As far as like, what it sounds like, you know. I mean, it doesn't sound you contrived. Know? You know what I'm saying? Like it just <laughs> doesn't in in like you said, um, it it, it I, like the opening it up. Oh, exactly. Opening it up with serve the servants in like the first line he says on the record. And of course, like tongue in cheek, busting his own balls. Teenage angst has paid off. Well, now I'm bored and old. I mean, it, that's like the opening yeah. line to the fucking record. It's great. The thing yeah. is, like he said, and they said repeatedly in interviews, just wanted to make an album that I wanted to buy. Right. And at the end, Cobain was like, yeah, I fucking love this album. Sure. Like, I would want to buy this album. And, you know, the thing is, so they gave the, ma- the unmastered copy to the record company. And they said, no, 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 no. This isn't commercially releasable. Oh yeah. Like this is not what you, this is not what we bargained for at all. You know, we're looking for singles, whatever, whatever. Where's our smells uh, like teen spirit. God damn it. Exactly. Exactly. We're looking for the chart. Right. So, uh, they sent it back to Albini. Who is from Chicago. Right. Who is a, a staunch asshole. 
<clears throat> you gotta love him, right? But he's just, but he doesn't. He asshole. doesn't always gonna do it. That's what I'm saying. You gotta love him. And he was like, "Fuck you! No, I'm not changing it. This is the way it is." So they brought in a producer to change the singles, which was uh, all apologies and uh, damn it, one of the early heart shaped box. Yeah. Yes. 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 Heart shaped box. And that producer was R.E.M.'s producer. Oh, right, right. And that's, isn't... Is, to slick him up. And is that at the suggestion? Because yeah, Michael Stipe and Kurt Cobain, at the end of his years, were tight. Um, who, right. who is another... Let's go back. To, I mean, Michael Stipe is one of my favorites ever. And I've, that guy's in pain, dude. I, I've said this before, but it was the first band, REM, the first band I ever discovered on my own. Like my first find was REM. Yeah, right. how have they not come up? How have a couple of those albums not no come doubt. up? No doubt. They have, actually. Yeah. We recorded one, and then the, the episode Oopses. was trash because my microphone didn't work. <laughs> this oh, yeah, a I talked science about here. here didn't yeah. I? There's something about that, yeah. yeah. Um, Might have been subconscious. I don't know. That's uh, that's a whole yeah. other episode, folks. <laughs> there was a whole episode that did not make right. it. Right. We'll, we'll re-record it. Work. So this is like a 29th episode coming out. We probably recorded about 33 of them. <laughs> Some of them weren't worthy. <laughs> For, you let well, us know if you guys want to hear them yeah, or outtakes of them. Crashing at Van Halen the night he died or whether it's, you know, this or that. You know, it can go here or there. But, uh, uh, yeah, we've recorded a few that didn't some way or another just didn't, like, nope, no, did not happen correctly. So, so I was going to say, Drew, in one thing to mention, guys, as I'm talking to y'all, send us your favorite 27 club artists and, and in your favorite records by them, um, Music challenge pod at gmail.com. Yep, that's what I'm that's talking about. Music, that's music challenge pod at gmail.com. So, yes, so, Drew, I so one go of, ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, oh no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, Kevin, no, go ahead. It's you, me, it's Kevin. Yeah, that's what I meant by it's you. Well, <laughs> one of the things I just wanted to say about both of these last two artists, Jimmy and Kurt, is that they both were somewhat unicorns. You know, Jimmy did, he was the first to do a lot of things and a lot of people came after him, right? Inspired a lot of Absolutely. people. And Kurt was the same way. Like, uh, the whole host of acts never would have existed if they're not it was been. not for Kurt. You're right. Right. A Kurt Cobain. Right. It was kind of a moment in time thing because he was a really, he was a like, he was a really, really good songwriter. Absolutely. Like really, really good. Um, You know, and they just, they caught lightning in a bottle, like in the way that they were like, the way that Kurt was like Jimmy, you know, the in the pan, right? Like we got to see so little, but you could tell, you know, that, that Kurt was kind of moving in a different direction. Absolutely. And, and you know? Unplugged was almost like a window into the future, I feel. 
like he was gonna he was going to do some more reserved things or wanted to do some more reserved things, you know? And it, it, yeah, it seems like it. I don't know. I mean, but like, I think he, he also to do both. Sure. Like he wanted to do the reserve things and he also wanted to hit the pop. Absolutely. Too. I mean, not like hit it big, but just like, that's the kind of music he liked listening to. And he was very eclectic in his music listening too. Absolutely. Um, and the ironic thing about both of those artists, Kevin, is is what? They were both from Seattle or both from Washington, but they were both from that area. I mean, just ironic that 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 they were both yeah. from that area. Well, you think about, you know, what we talked about earlier, the fact that all of these folks had troubled childhoods and you know suffered trauma and the whole nine yards whatever and you know heavily medicated those things in their lives right um so in that way the art that their pain produced is is epic and legendary in a lot of those ways and nirvana's contribution to greater music overall is pretty hefty because of, you know, the, uh, that short window of time, those couple of albums where they really just, I don't know, did some incredible stuff. Have you listened to bleach? Yeah. Drew. And I got to tell you, it might be worth a re-listen to hear you say you dig the tune Scentless Apprentice. It really does. I did. I dug a lot of the tune. Right on. Thing is, I was just, like this is much more authentic to me than never mind. You're absolutely and, right. Right. And it just because of that and because of my punk roots, it just, you know, I thought, I thought I have, but I, it, I have played, I've played bleach for you before in fairly recent history. The last couple oh, of right, years. Right. 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 Well, that would make a difference because we've, taking this Nirvana track for a couple of years here. So, um, or not a couple of years, like a year. Well, not even a year, last couple of months. So in any case. Yeah, check uh, out, you got to check out a tune called Love Buzz, which you would know if you listen to, but on Bleach, it's freaking wonderful and a perfect opportunity for you to play a nice little clip of it right here. Here's Love Buzz. Yeah. Love Buzz. <laughs> so thanks a lot for checking out the Music Challenge podcast this week. My name is Andrew. And uh, for my crew, have a w- bye bye. Thank you for listening. Please rate us if you like us. Write yeah, a review. Rate us five stars. <laughs> Visit the socials, <laughs> drop comments, ask questions, suggest topics, all that good stuff. Go to YouTube. You can find us at Music Challenge Pod. Go to. Uh, Facebook, you can find us at Music Challenge Pod, and you can email us Music Challenge Pod at email no at gmail There we go, not at email at gmail. <laughs> yeah, uh, at email, isn't that it? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so in any case, thanks for checking us out. Have a great night, Music Challenge Podcast, and we're going out on Love Buzz. Love Buzz. Check you out later. Bye.